2: A warmer from the low Welcome to Love Las Vegas for Coast Suits With myself, Greg Eames Peterson Now part of the Beats and Family Podcast We've got a tremendous podcast for you guys It's a Mount West Preview Edition No, we are not going to be having Oregon State on this podcast Quite yet though Few years from now, we might be looking at the likes of Oregon State, Washington State, what have you, being in this conference. But we are going to be taking a look at the Mountain West for the upcoming season. As joining me in segment number two, we welcome on Sean Paul. He does great work over at Mountain West Wire. Top of that, I know that he'll see Field of 68's mid-major show, and we're going to be taking a look at all 11 of these rosters, taking a look at who to be able to have breakout seasons this year. We're going to be taking a look at the couple of coaching changes that we saw as well. The most notable one, obviously, being over at Utah State with Danny Sprinkle taking hold there. So we're going to be diving in on all 11 rosters in segment number two. In the final segment, I'm going to give you guys my projector or finish for the Mountain West. And here in the first segment, we're going to be taking a look at styles of play and betting trends from the Mountain West. And if you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two A's. we those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters M, they mean does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review, as per usual, because I am doing a conference preview today. This means that the news and notes of college basketball from... Uh, Friday, they're going to be teamed up with the news and notes from college basketball from Saturday on the podcast tomorrow. So you're not going to miss a thing there but let's not miss a thing with regards to taking a look at the Mountain West. Let's take a look at just the trends of this conference. A conference that was a highly profitable one for many betters last season as with the Mountain West, you had 11 teams in the conference. 8 of them at a cover rate of at least 51.6%. You had a Three teams in Colorado State, Fresno State, and Wyoming. That had a rough go of it for Wyoming. Murphy's Law hit this team. They had every single injury under the sun. You're going to be dealing with a very much hodgepodge Wyoming team this season, but they went 10-19-1 and one against the spread with all that bad injury luck. And then for Colorado State, they went 13-19 against the spread overall. Fresno State they went 12-18 and 18 against the spread, and for opposite reasons. For Fresno State, they played very slow. They were halfway decent on defense, but offense could not get it going for Colorado State. Very good on offense, played absolutely no defense whatsoever. Meanwhile, you had three teams that at least 60% against the spread last season. San Jose State was a big money machine. Tim Miles has really been able to turn things around. San Jose State won 20-plus games last season. When do we say San Jose State won 20-plus games in college basketball? It's been like 40 years. They won 22-12 against the spread. Utah State won 21-13 against the spread, uh, thanks to a high-powered offense. And then for Nevada, 18-12-2 against the spread as well. And if you take a look at how these teams did in non-conference play, obviously San Diego State was able to do relatively well thanks to their national title game run, but... I think that this would surprise a lot of people because the NCAA tournament games, they are involved in that. They went 7-9-1 and one against a spread out of conference. They were one of just four teams that failed it at least 61.5% of their games out of conference against the spread, Air Force was your best on conference team, nine and four against the spread, and then from there, San Jose State nine and five against the spread, UNLV went seven to four against the spread in non-conference play, New Mexico eight four and one against the spread in non-conference play, and then Nevada, Boise State, Utah State all went eight and five against the spread in non-conference play. You did have. Wyoming have a rough three seven and one against the spread run out of conference, and for Fresno State they went three and eight against the spread out of conference. And I do think that the Mountain West does get pretty underrated just overall. And with the Mountain West, you've got a few teams that are Blazers, and you've got a conference that, in general, it does lean to a lot of slower teams. Air Force was your slowest team out of all three hundred sixty-three D one teams that suited it up last year. They were three hundred fifty. If with regards to total possessions per game. You also had Fresno State right there as well. 354th in the country in terms of total possessions per game. From there, you've got teams that they play slow, but they don't play, like, super-duper slow. Nevada, for instance, 234th in the country in terms of total possessions per game. San Diego State was interesting. Turns back out of the season, they were as slow as molasses. They actually tried to play quite up-tempo towards the beginning part of the season, so overall they finished 260th in the country in terms of total possessions per game. You can tell that they tried a little bit of a different style. It didn't work for them in non-conference play, so then they went back to basics and They basically dominated from there. San Jose State, not a team that has been really looking to run it and gun it too much themselves. San Jose State, 356th in the country in terms of total possessions per game as well. Utah State was really looking to push a little bit of tempo. They were 148th in the country in terms of total possessions per game, and they were a very good three-point shooting team. But with Mr. Odom transferring over to UMBC, Danny Sprinkle taking over the reins, I would expect a little bit more of what we saw from Montana State to be that style. And Montana State, 233rd in the country in terms of total possessions per game. Colorado State, they're typically a offense that puts up a lot of production, but they don't necessarily go fast. 271st in the country in terms of total possessions per game. Wyoming was having to play super duper slow last year. They fourth in the country in terms of total possessions per game. So you've got a bunch of really slow teams, and the big divide is can you hit the three or not? That was the big equalizer for so many teams in the conference. Now you did have one defensive. Just complete savant in San Diego State. One of the best defenses in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis. In terms of three-point shooting percentage, you name it, they did it all season long last year. But for other teams, it was all about could you hit those threes or not. Utah State was a team that was able to make the NCAA tournament last year because they were 16th in the country in terms of three-point shooting percentage. Meanwhile, Fresno State, they had their issues From three-point range, they were 328th in the country. That led to them being unprofitable. Wyoming, they were about 138th in the country in terms of three-point shooting percentage. They weren't great. They weren't terrible. But, I mean, that defense just took such a nosedive with all the injuries that they had that that was really their undoing. Colorado State was a bunch of that in terms of three-point shooting, it was right around 95th as well, but shot 41.6% from three at home, 30.1% on the road. That's because they're a team at elevation, and you are going to have some of those teams that are at elevation, like with Air Force. They shot 37.6% from three-point range at home last season, more like 32.8% on the road last year, a little bit less demonstrative, but... Clearly, there's a little bit of a split there as well, and I do think that it is interesting that you've got just the wide ranges of defense because a team that has been zagging while everyone else zigs is New Mexico. They've been one of the quickest teams in terms of total possessions per game over the last few years. Obviously, San Diego State was your big-time, just really good defensive team last season, but Boise State, they are right there as well. They were a team that ranked 40th in the country in terms of, Points allowed on a per possession basis. They were also a team that they were able to drill quite a few threes as well. So that was very beneficial for them. And then for New Mexico, it was a bunch that they were willing to get out there. They were willing to run, but it was at the detriment of defense, which really costed them in conference play with New Mexico. 167th in the country in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis. would like to see that be a little bit higher as a team like San Jose State. That was very profitable for you. They were right around 200th in the country in terms of total possessions per game, but they did a good job cleaning up the glass. They made up for it by being a team that ranked 15th in the country in terms of rebound rate. You had Wyoming beat 312th in the country in terms of fight slot at a per-possession basis. That was less than savory as well. So you've got a lot of slow teams, and then from there, they try to sort of find their footing, and that's very interesting to take a look at with regards to a totals perspective as well because in the Mountain West, you had a lot of teams playing a lot of overs, all but two teams played at least 50% of their games to the over. San Diego State, obviously, was one of those teams that hit more unders than overs 22 unders to 16 overs. Fresno State, again, one of the slowest teams that you found in all of college basketball 17 unders to 13 overs. Meanwhile, you know, V, a team that tried to crank up their tempo 21 overs to 10 unders, 67.7% to the over. New Mexico, Another team that they decided that they were going to play fast, 22 overs to 11 unders. You add all of Colorado State, Utah State, and Nevada hit between 58 and and 59.5% of their games to the over. Air Force, 18 overs, 14 unders. Wyoming, 16 overs, 14 unders. And much of the reason why you saw so many overs is that Bookmakers, they took into account that these teams were playing very slowly out of conference, so they really drove down these totals, and you saw really good shot-making within the Mountain West. As a matter of fact, in Mountain West play, if you just took the over on every single one of these Mountain West games you would have been up tons and tons of units as you had one team failed hit north of 52.4% to the over in conference play. San Diego State, 14 unders to 7 overs. You had Fresno State, they hit 52.6% of their games to the over, 10 overs to 9 unders in conference play, and then from there, Utah State, Air Force, both hit between 57 and 58% of their games to the over in conference. San Jose State, 12 overs, 8 unders. Nevada, 12-overs, 7-unders. Colorado State, 13-overs, 7-unders. Wyoming, 13-overs, 6-unders. UNLV, Boise State, 14-overs, 6-unders. New Mexico, 16-overs of 4-unders. These were teams that, when they went up against the likes of a New Mexico, UNLV, they were willing to run, they were willing to beat them at their game, and whenever you had a slow team going up against a little bit of a less-than-terrific defense, that less-than-terrific defense, it got... Carved up and it got carved up in a very big way as well as what I also find to be very intriguing about this conference is that when you had favorites, they were able to do a relatively solid job out in the Mountain West as you had as favorites, three teams had at least 70% of their games against the spread, including Utah State going 21 and nine against the spread. As a favorite, San Jose State, 8-3 and three against the spread as a favorite. Nevada, 14-6-1 against the spread as a favorite. less well, demonstrative Air Force, 7-4 and four against the spread as a favorite. And then San Diego State, they do go 16-14-2 against the spread as a favorite. You did have a few teams, have a little bit of rough COVID. Boise State, 9-11-1 against the spread as a favorite. New Mexico, 10-13-1 against the spread as a favorite. But favorites, they were able to win out, obviously. It was a couple select teams like Utah State and Nevada. They were really able to come to the forefront. But this was very much a little bit more of a favorites conference. Meanwhile, with underdogs, there were really two teams that did a good job in the underdog role. Boise State, 7-4-1 and one against the spread as an underdog. New Mexico, 6-2-1 and one against the spread as an underdog. Meanwhile, Colorado State, they went 6-10 against the spread as an underdog. Wyoming, 7-11-1 against the spread in this role. And Fresno State, 9-12 against the spread as an underdog as well. So when you've got... A team that's willing to play some defense against one that was not. It always favored the defensive team, even if they were a pretty significant favorite. And typically, that turned into some overs with the Mountain West. It's a very interesting conference and one that I know our good friend Sean Paul loves. He, much like myself, lives out here in the great state of Nevada. So coming up next, we are going to be diving in on all 11 of these rosters, taking a look at the coaching moves that we saw in the offseason, the transfers that are coming in, and so much more right here on Good Soups with myself, Greg Epps-Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast, the Mountain West Conference Preview Edition. you to Las Vegas for with myself, Greg Eames Peterson, now part of the Visa Family, a podcast. This is the Mountain West Conference Preview Edition, and it is great to be joined by this man as we've got on one of the main men from Mount West Wire joining me as we've got Sean Paul, who does a great job over there. You're able to follow him on now X. That's about as strange to say as all this conference and at Sean Paul CBB and that's S-E-A-N. He also does a tremendous job over at the Field of sixty eight. He is the host of their mid-major show over there, and Sean, it is great to have you aboard. Thank you.
3: Thanks for having me, Greg. What's more weird, Twitter being called X or Arizona State, Arizona, and Utah being in the Big 12, and Oregon and Washington being in the Big 10? I don't know. It's a wild situation we got going on here.
2: Absolutely. If we were joking a little bit off air, we've got a traditional Mountain West Conference preview going down today, but next year, this conference preview might be looking just a little <laughs> bit different, so... Well, it's a giant while well, we've got it, and I think one of the biggest question marks in this conference for me is what to expect out of Boise State because they were able to make the NCAA tournament. They do take that loss to Northwestern in the NCAA tournament, but they had a very talented front five. They didn't have a lot in between, and they do lose a few guys from that team last year, like Marcus Shaver and company. What are your expectations for Boise State this year? Because Leon Rice, I think, does a tremendous job as a coach, but I would like to see them build a little bit more depth.
3: I'm still rifling through my top 25, and I have Boise State sitting at top tw- at 25 nationally. This team is really good. Roddy Anderson is going to be an absolute stud, the transfer from UC San Diego. He's explosive. He can shoot. He needs to be more consistent as a shooter, but a really good playmaker, can attack the rim. Just a really good downhill player, even though he's smaller. He's going to be a great replacement for Marcus Shaver. And then you have Tyson Dagenhardt. It's really his team now, along with Max Rice as the leaders. Dagenhart's going to have to take another step up. Rice is going to have to continue shooting the ball the way he did last year. And then the additions at the four spot with Cam Martin – The transfer from Kansas, he only played like six games in two years at Kansas, but he was a stud at the D2 level. He's athletic. He can shoot it. He's just a really nice piece next to Tyson Dagenhart. And then you have a nice defensive chess piece coming in, Omar Stanley. I think he's going to be a very important piece to this team who's typically really good defensively. I expect a more even split between the offense and defense this year, probably a top 40 in both categories this year nationally. Boise State's going to be really good, and I think they have a real shot to win this league.
2: With Boise State, I do love what they are bringing in via the transfer portal. I do no doubt think that that Marcus Shaver loss is going to be big because just been a stalwart at the college basketball level for so long, but I really do love what's being built there, and I do love this returning piece as – I mean, it feels like we've been talking about this guy for so long, but Isaiah Stevens, he is back Mm -hmm. at Colorado State. This is one of the best guards in all of college basketball, not just in major college basketball, not just Mountain West, in all of college basketball. Nikwe Clifford coming in from Colorado, that is a big ad. Javante Johnson coming in from New Mexico, that is a big ad. Don't sleep on Joel Scott as well with Colorado State. If they play even a morsel of defense, I think that this is going to be one of the more dangerous teams in the conference.
3: I think Colorado State has some potential. They're a top five team in the league for me. I don't think they're quite to the echelon of New Mexico and Boise State and San Diego State, but they're probably in the next tier up. You have a really good front court with Joel Scott and Patrick Cartier, two guys that were at the D2 level previously. Scott is a more big body guy. Well, Cartier is more crafty in the way he's able to shoot the ball from the mid-range. He's a solid post defender, too. Not a shot blocker, but he holds his own in the paint. And then, of course, you have Isaiah Stevens, who's a top 10, top 5 point guard in the country. I could hear a good argument for top 5. Probably his top 5. He's just a stud. There's no other way to put it. He can score it. He can pass it. He makes his teammates better. And I think that's what you want in a point guard. A guy's going to make his teammates better. And that's what Isaiah Stevens does. Defensively, there's some questions. My biggest question is, who's your number two option? Probably Patrick Cartier. I don't know if I love that as a number two. I like him as a number three. But you lost John Tanjay. He went to Missouri. So is someone going to step up as that number two guy next to Isaiah Stevens? That's what I want to see. But Isaiah Stevens could win conference player of the year.
2: Yeah, with Isaiah Stevens, I absolutely love what he brings to the table. I also love what Sean Paul brings to the table. He does a great job covering college basketball over at Mountain West Wire in the field of 68 and showing me right here on Soup. And How about if we go to the state that we are both in, Nevada, and let's start out with the Wolfpack. They make the NCAA tournament last year. I know that there were many people that were thinking that they should make the NCAA tournament, and their performance in the NCAA tournament, needless to say, was dreadful. But I am still <laughs> a very successful year last year, to say the least considering what the expectations were, but they do lose quite a bit from that team last year. They really don't bring in anything via the transfer portal. They are going to be bringing in one guy in Thailand, Pope, but that's about it. What are your expectations for Nevada? Because the defense was really the calling card for this team last season, along with trying to be able to get to the free throw line.
3: Yeah, they lost a great young defender, with Darion Williams, who transferred to Texas Tech to play for a great defensive coach in Grant McCaslin. But Tylen Pope's a really solid player. He was good at lane in a limited role. He's going to defend. He's going to make shots. In a lower volume, he's going to rebound. He's going to be a solid replacement for Williams. But Nick Davidson is a guy I'm really looking at here to break out as a replacement for Will Baker, a similar type player to Baker, not as big, but he can shoot the ball. He's fairly athletic. He just has a wide scoring variety that's going to be a welcome sight for this team. Is going to be very guard-oriented this season with Keenan Blackshear, Jared Lucas, Hunter McIntosh. I'm not expecting a tournament appearance here, probably more of a fall to grace here. I'm expecting like an 18-19 win a season. They'll be a formidable team, but not good enough to win the conference, probably outside of that top five, but they could fight their way in there. They have the experienced guards to be in that conversation.
2: Yeah, no doubt about it. They're not going to be falling to the likes of Air Force, what have you. But at the same time, some of the teams that we were talking about before Colorado State and Boise State, I don't think that they're on that level either. And I do think that in terms of the talent itself, UNLV might be able to get there. The question is, can it all be able to blossom? UNLV, once again, has done a good job in the transfer portal. As You've got the Boone brothers coming in. Keelan Boone, who last year was at Pacific, Caleb Boone is out of Oklahoma State and both began their career in the Big 12. They come into this program. Jalen Hill, he comes into the program as well. With UNLV, they've done a really nice job of bringing transfers in, but with UNLV, I felt like at times last year they played a little bit too fast for their own good. It was just a little bit of a hodgepodge because either the defense was firing all cylinders or they were just trying to get a little bit too up-tempo for their own good, it felt like. I'm not sure what you make out of UNLV, but – The talent is there for the team to really wreak havoc on this conference. I just Mm -hmm. feel like they need to find their own identity. That identity needs to
3: be on the defensive end of the floor because they have a lot of defensive-minded players. They have both Boone brothers who are plus defenders. You have Jalen Hill, who was one of the best defenders in the Big 12 at Oklahoma. And then, of course, you have Luis Rodriguez, who was a great defender at Ole Miss, was a great defender last year at UNLB. They need to just buy in on being an elite defensive team we're going to be a top 25 defensive team. It doesn't matter what we do on the offensive end. Our defensive stops will turn into offensive scores. They don't have enough guard play to where I think they should play any kind of up-tempo offense like they were top 100 in tempo last year. Their guard play is simply not good enough for that to be the case. They do not have a good guard situation at all unless Jackie Johnson or Eden Thomas, who is a pretty pretty hotly touted recruit. Unless those guys become absolute studs this year, I think they should be a really slow-tempo team unless they're in transition off a of turnover. But the Boone brothers both can score it. Uh, Keelan's more of the shooter. Caleb's more of the inside guy. Jalen Hill's really solid. They're going to have to rebound the ball really well, and they're going to have to be an elite defensive team. But they certainly have the talent to be an upper-tier Mountain West team. You just have to buy in on that defensive play.
2: Yep, absolutely. And I can't believe that I am saying this, but there is actual expectations for San Jose State coming into the season. What's the last time we've ever heard that? They are coming off of their first 20-win season since, I believe, the 1980-81 campaign. Tim Miles has done an absolutely remarkable job with this program, and they do lose Amari more, but part of the reason why San Jose State was so good last year was that they were a top-ten rebounding team in terms of overall rebound rate. They do lose their main shall we say, a blocker in Abrima Diallo. But so you're bringing back some of these guys like a Robert Faijola, Trey Anderson is going to be back in the fold. This team had a really nice identity with being able to grab some boards and what Tim Miles has done here at San Jose State has been nothing short of incredible.
3: Oh, no question. I mean, this team under John Prelo was terrible. I mean, that's putting it nicely. That team was just a complete disaster. They were a single-digit winning team just about every season. They were getting their doors blown off them night by night. And Tim Miles, maybe Nebraska shouldn't have fired him. Uh, They shouldn't have, by the way. (laughs) Terrible decision. But it's going to be tough. You can't replace Amari Moore, but you have some solid guys that have been in the program, like Myron Amy and Alvaro Cardenas. You need those guys to really step up. I think Amy's probably the guy you're looking at for that. He's proven in a small workload that he could be a solid scoring option. But it's going to be a step down this season because you lose Sage Tolbert also who was a really solid rebounder for him, along with Ibrahima Diallo. It's tough to keep consistency at a program like San Jose State, but even if it doesn't get back to 20 wins again, Tim Miles deserves so much credit for what he was able to accomplish last year.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. Tim Miles has been able to do an incredible job with this program. As joining me on the show, we do have Sean Paul. He does a great job over at Mount Westfire along the field of 68. And this team I find to be very intriguing as well. Fresno State has... Fresno State has been a bunch, has been a little bit all over the place. And as we know, they've been playing at one of the slowest styles in all of college basketball. You can tell by the transition from not having Orlando Robinson last year. That certainly did take it out of them. But I'm a bit excited for them bringing in Xavier Ducell this season. And I really think the key for the team is Eduardo Andre. Last year, when he was out there on the floor, it felt like he was able to make a nice difference for the team. When he was off the floor, it felt like this team just... Was not hitting the same as it felt like it was a little bit of a hodgepodge whenever you did have some of those other pieces out there on the floor? I do like the upside of Isaiah Hill. How do you view this team? Because they are also dealing with not having Jamero Baker in that backcourt as well.
3: You need another scoring option next to Isaiah Hill. Maybe that's Xavier Ducelle, the transfer from Wyoming. He never really had that breakout season after his really good freshman year, dealt with some injuries, then kind of got lost in the fold a little bit at Wyoming. But he is an elite shooter. If he is that guy next to Isaiah Hill, that'll be able to help He'll be a more efficient scorer because he's 38% from the field, 30 from deep. But he's a really solid playmaker. He's quick. He can shoot it even though his numbers aren't great. I think he's a really solid overall point guard that can fill up the stat sheet. But again, similar to UNLV, I think Fresno State has to continue their identity as a defensive first team because they have the pieces to be really good defensively. Andre is a good post defender. Enoch Bawachi, a former Top 100 recruit coming in from Arizona State, has the potential to be a really good player in this conference. And then you have a guy like uh, Leo Calmerio, who's a very versatile defender. He's athletic. Not much of a shooter, but he's a guy that can play that somewhat stretch 4 role, more of a small ball 4 role because he's not really a great shooter. But he's a really solid defensive piece, too. Fresno State has the pieces to be a tough team, but I don't think they have the talent to really win enough games to be a top five, top six team in the league. They'll be tough to beat on a lot of nights.
2: They are going to be tough to beat on a lot of nights. And this is a bunch that they've got a really nice home court advantage. I do think that Coach Joe Scott gets the most out of this guy's I think it's an uphill battle, though, for our good friends over there at Air Force. They are going to be bringing Ethan Taylor back to the fold. He was able to lead the team in assists last year. Brightest, but treatest. he was able to have a double-figure amount of points. But Jake Heidbreder, he really was a heart and soul for the team last year. As we recall, two years ago, it was just the A.J. Walker show. And you could tell that they had a little bit of a tough time transitioning there, and as we know with Air Force, just not a school that's going to be bringing in transfers just because it is one of the service academies. How do you view this Air Force C Because I think their only way to be able to win games is by making them super duper ugly and just trying to be able to win a bunch of rock fights.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough, especially with the Princeton type of offense that Joe Scott runs. I feel like it'd be a lot better. It, with that kind of offense if you were able to pursue players in the transfer portal, but you have to hope that your high school guys hit. And some of them have, right? if I said that correctly, that's a, quite the name. But yeah, I watched him quite a bit last year. He's a really good player. The way he's able to run the offense, the way he can shoot the ball. He was a very solid player as a freshman and he stepped right in and was really good. Took a lot of minutes away from like Nick Jackson, Lucas Mormon. He was really good. He's going to be their go-to guy this year. I just don't expect them to be super competitive, the altitude and, The toughness they play with, the tough style to prepare for is going to be something in the positive column for them, but they're probably going to be the worst team in this conference by a significant margin this year.
2: Yeah, I'm right there with you, though. I do think that this team is in for a little bit of a rough year as well, and that'd be Wyoming. Just everything went wrong for Wyoming last year, a team that two years ago made the NCAA tournament. They were dealing with injuries to darn near everyone. The guys that they brought in from the Pac-12, which... Now some of those schools might be in the Mountain West next year. That's a discussion What's for another time.
3: What's the Pac-12? I don't, I don't know what the Pac-12 is.
2: Yeah, that's, that's becoming an extinct species at this point. But the guys that they brought in, they just did not hit at all. And Wyoming is looking to start over from square one. I do think they're bringing in someone like Sam Griffin is going to be able to help. I recognize that Sam Griffin was at a pretty poopy school himself over there at Tulsa. But I mean, he put up 15 points per game last season at Tulsa. I feel like a bad shot for him It also was better than a good shot for some of his other guys. But I just take a look at this Wyoming bunch, and right now they just don't have a lot of depth in general. Brandon Wetzel coming back I think is relatively solid. and I still think they're above Air Force. I don't think there's a lot of other teams in this conference that they could beat out, though.
3: Yeah, they're definitely – in the Air Force range, but I think they're a lot better. A Quill caught coming in from the D2 level. He should be really good. I like his game. He's quick. He's crafty. He can shoot the ball from outside. There's a school in Colorado. Where do you come from? Fort Lewis in Colorado. That He's a really good experienced player from there. Sam Griffin's been around in college basketball for a minute. This is now his third school. He's, he's played a little bit for sure. Started at Tulsa. And now also talking about Mason Walters from the NAIA level. You just have a lot of experienced dudes who have played a lot of college basketball. Not necessarily on top-end NCAA tournament D1 teams, but you have a lot of guys that have played a lot of college basketball. That's what I can say about this team. And how's it going to turn out? Probably not very well, but I trust Jeff Linder. He's a really smart offensive coach. I assume that he'll get a lot out of those three guys that I mentioned, but this team is definitely lacking in the true NCAA tournament talent department.
2: Yep, I'm right there with you. I do think that it's going to be another rough year for Wyoming, but... I mean, they can't get much worse luck than they had last year. So that's a little bit of a positive as Sean Paul, who does great work over at the field of 68, along fun West Player, is showing me right here on Costco Soups. And how about if we take a look at a bunch that has seen a lot of turnover this offseason? And that's Utah State. And the biggest reason why their new coach is now Danny Sprinkle. As we know, Mr. Odom, he heads on over to VCU. So he took a lot of players with him, but Danny Sprinkle. He's got a few guys from Montana State that are following him. Darius Brown II was a very good point guard for a team that made the NCAA tournament last year. Grados Moore didn't have massive numbers, but you know what? I like what he's able to provide down low. They bring in someone like a Jackson Grant, a former Top 150 recruit. Ian Martinez is someone that right around 6'3", 6'4", at Maryland was able to pop some threes. On paper, there's some talent here with Utah State. I think the big question is, can they mesh towards the back half of the season and become one of those pesky teams? Because I do think that for Utah State, all the turnover is going to be hampering them towards the beginning part of the season. I think Utah
3: State has a chance to be fairly underrated, to be honest with you. With what they bring in from Montana State, you have great awesome like you said. You average 10 points per game in five boards, but only 18 minutes per game. If you extrapolate that over 40 minutes, it's pretty crazy. And he was playing behind Jabril Bello, the go-to guy for that Montana State team. Darius Brown's a great floor general, great defender. He just brings a lot of different skills to the table. And then you get Nigel Burris coming in from Idaho. Good shooter at that four spot. I expect Utah State to be a fairly competitive team. They're not going to win the conference this year. And uh, two more names I can't forget to mention. Joshua Duget from Coastal Carolina. Another guy that has a lot of versatility, can handle the ball, can shoot it. Good defender. And Ian Martinez, former top 100 recruit, went to Utah. Then he went to Maryland. Now he's at Utah State. It was a really interesting offseason there for the Aggies. They brought in a new coach who's a proven winner at the mid-major level. They brought in a lot of talent. I'm curious to see how it meshes, but long-term, I think there's some serious potential here for Utah State.
2: I do think so, as well. And I think that this could be one of those teams that at the beginning part of the season, they struggle because they do have all those moving parts, but because they do have a lot of raw talent coming in, they could be able to ascend late as well as we've got two other teams to break down, and... These are two teams that are going to be big bombers in the conference. Let's start out with New Mexico, because with New Mexico, we know the top-end talent of this team. As you bring back Jalen House, you bring back Jamal Mashburn Jr. That is just absolutely incredible for this team. Being able to bring back that one-two punch in the backcourt, I think makes them about as formidable as it gets with regards to this conference. I think for New Mexico, no doubt about it, they're going to need to play a little bit more defense went down the tube towards back half of the season there. But even in the front half of the season, they weren't terrible with regards to their defense. And Nelly Jr. Joseph coming in along to Merrill Baker, I think that's exactly what they need. And I think it would be foolish to sleep on Mustafa Amzil as well.
3: Yeah, I really like this New Mexico team. I think they're definitely going to make the tournament this season, but they really need to show more of an effort on the defensive end. I really think that's what the issue was. They just didn't show enough effort. They were letting opposing guards get to their spots they weren't playing a lot of help defense. They just weren't showing enough effort. And that's what you need if you're going to be a team that makes the NCAA tournament. And honestly, it looked like they just kind of got tired down the stretch. They just weren't defending. And Jalen House missed a couple games, I think, against Air Force in Wyoming, two games that really hurt their chances of making the tournament. They get House back. They get Mashburn back. They get Nelly Jr. Joseph to replace Morris Udeze. That's a really big role to replace because Udeze was awesome. But you need that shooting to improve this season. They didn't have a ton of shooting last year. They were one of the lowest volume three-point shooting teams in the country. They need Jamal Baker to be that guy. And if he's going to be that guy, New Mexico is going to be a really interesting team. I'm curious to see how the lineup combinations shake out because they have a lot of different ways they can go. They can start Baker. They can start uh zeal at the four, they could start Baker at the three. They just have a lot of different ways they can go, and I'm curious to see how Richard Patino navigates this. But New Mexico has a lot of options and I think they're NCAA tournament bound this season.
2: I think so as well. And then in order to be the champ, you gotta beat the champ. And San Diego State, they are the champions of the Mountain West with regards to the conference tournament. They're the team that they were able to make the national title last year, as we know. There is going to be some turnover with this team. Matt Bradley is no longer in the fold. But a lot of people may remember Matt Bradley didn't play great throughout much of the NCAA tournament. It was actually Darian Tremel that really had his moments. Lamont Butler, he's the man that hit that shot against Florida Atlantic that sent them to the national title game. They bring in Reese, Six, and Waters. Sometimes you just need a pal, and they bring in Jay Powell as well. How do you view the San Diego State team? Do you think that they should be able to repeat, despite the fact that they are missing a few pieces from that national title team?
3: Yeah, Keyshawn Johnson leaving thats big. Matt Bradley just wasn't really the Matt Bradley of old that we're used to at all last season. So the fact that San Diego State was as good as they were and their go-to guy was inconsistent the entire season just speaks to how good that program is. But Brian Dutcher has them clicking on all cylinders. They're going to be an elite defensive team again Jay Powell's going to really help in that aspect. But I'm curious to see how their front court defense comes together without Mensa, without Keyshawn Johnson, their two best defenders on that team. Powell's going to defend well, but who's going to be the starter at the five? Is it going to be Jaden Leday? Is he going to move over there a little bit? They just don't have enough proven commodities to play that five to replace a guy like Nathan Mensa. That's going to be a really big problem for them. I'm curious to see how that comes together. They're a top 25 team, obviously. If you're in the national title game the year before, you have to be. Regardless of what you bring back, but they need to rely on re-sticks and Waters to be a guy from day one next to Darion tremell in that backcourt. He's proven himself as a really good scorer throughout his career. Pac-12, sixth man of the year. Averaged 10 points per game. Didn't shoot the ball super well this year, but has the size, has the shooting, he has the talent to be a really good player in this league. But they need to figure out what's going on in that front court. But otherwise, I really like this team. Great guard defense great overall culture, and great overall talent. I expect San Diego State to be really good again this year.
2: I do think so as well, and I think that it's going to be tough for any of these teams in the Mountain West to be able to take down a San Diego State team that year-in and year on has been at the top of this conference and a man that is always at the top of his game. When it comes to taking a look at the game of college basketball, that'd be you, Sean. You do an absolutely tremendous job over there at Mountain West. why you're field of sixty-eight and so much more. So let the good people at home know it's all on tap for you and how people are able to follow along on social media and other platforms. You can go
3: ahead and follow me on Twitter at SeanPaulCBB, and that's all you'll need to see. That's where I get a, post all my stuff for the most part. So follow me there.
2: What is now X, by the way, which once ah, again, right. so weird. Yeah. I forgot straight. about that. Yeah, I'm gonna keep we're going gonna on be, to
3: keep going Twitter. It's okay. It's Twitter. We're going to be heart,
2: forgetting so. that for pretty much the rest of time. It's like when mm-hmm. the Milwaukee Brewers decided to call Miller Park American Family Field It's still Miller Park to me, gosh darn it. Yeah, it's like
3: Rutgers, Rutgers, they still play in the rack in my heart. It's not Jersey, Mike, Subs, Arena, or whatever they call it now.
2: Yep, I'm right there with you. Providence, they still play at the dunk. We're right there on the same page on that one. And Sean, he always does an amazing job taking a look at the game of college basketball. He's locked in with what is going to be a tremendous fun west. So, big thanks to him for joining me on Coastal Coast. Now part of the VC family podcast and coming up next is that time of the podcast to give you my projector finish for the month. I'm are going Las Vegas for Goods and Goods. with myself, Greg Eames-Peterson, now part of the VEASAN Family a Podcast. It was great to be joined by Sean Paul. He does an incredible job over there on Mountain West Wire. He does an amazing job taking a look at this game that we all know and love of college basketball over at the Field of 68. He's our main man for taking a look at mid-majors, and every single time he joins this podcast always lends tremendous insight. So, big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you my projector or finish for the Mound West. Once again, because I am doing a little bit of a conference preview today, that means that the last 48 hours of college basketball news and notes, so you're going to be getting Fridays and Saturdays. That is going to be up on the podcast tomorrow, so have no fear there. We've got you guys all covered there, but we've also got you guys covered with this. Dead last with regards to my projector or finish, and we're going to be going with Air Force I hate to be that guy, but they lose their top scorer and Jake Heidbretter from a team that they just struggled in general. The only way I could see Air Force winning games is if they make things bowling ball shoot ugly. I mean, once in a while they'll get super hot from three point range from time to time, and that'll be able to help them out. But they were in the bottom 10 last year in terms of offensive rebound rate on the road. In road games, they grab 16.7% of their misses as an offensive rebound right Petratus, he was able to do a nice job last season. He gave the team 10.5 points per game, and he was the only guy on the roster that gave you north of 4.5 rebounds per game. Now, good news is Lucas Mormon, he should be able to help out a little bit on the glass. He's a 6'10", little bit of a joker player. I think that he's going to be able to give you a tab down low, but this is a school that they just can't bring in transfers, and I really think that they're going to need to have Corbin Green. Get back to what he was towards being part of the season last year because Corbin Green at the beginning part of the campaign, he was actually really stinking good. You take a look at things until Christmas. His first nine games of the season was shooting about 58.5% from the floor. He was able to contribute in that neighborhood of 2.8 blocks, 10.5 points, 4.5 boards. He looked really good to start out the year and then things just toilet bowl from there. After that point on, he was averaging in the neighborhood of about four points per contest in his last 15 games played. He was dealing with some injuries, with not having reinforcements coming in, with them really needing to head on a bunch of high school recruits that aren't necessarily that highly touted. Not having a ton in the backcourt to start with. Ethan Taylor, he's a nice player that's able to give you three assists per contest, but not a guy that's going to be laying the world on fire. I think it's an uphill battle for our good friends over there at Air Force. I do have them dead last with regards to my projector or finish. At number 10, I am going to be going with Wyoming. I am for Wyoming last year. It was a no good, very bad, terrible year. Everything went wrong for the seamen. They're looking to start from square one. The good news is they do bring back a few guys from last season that were hearty souls. And they're going to be having them build around Sam Griffin. Griffin, the last two years over at Tulsa, was averaging between 14 and 15 points per game. He shot in the mid-30s from three-point range. But if you recall his time when he was at UT Arlington, his last season there, he was more like a 39% three-point shooter. It was because while he was at Tulsa, a bad shot for him was better than a good shot for someone else, so that is something to take note of. A cool cut. He is coming in from the D2 level. He's going to be able to do a nice job, in my opinion, of being able to give the team some production. But it's a very bare bones roster right now. They've got pretty much seven players with any sort of college basketball experience, and some of these guys don't even have Division One college basketball experience. Brandon Wenzel, he's someone that I like. I do think that with Wenzel, he's going to be able to do a nice job being able to pop some threes for this team. Being able to give you some good overall versatility. He began his career at Utah last season. Shot a little bit over 40% from three. Was able to contribute eight points, four rebounds per contest as a six and seven do it all player. But they're going to really need Kenny Foster to be able to step up. And I do think that Kenny Foster is going to be able to offer a little bit of upside for the team after he last year was averaging more around five points per contest. Has been a little bit banged up the last few seasons. As if you go back to that 2020 21 campaign, he was registering over nine points per contest, shot it at over 40% for three point range. So I do think that there's some upside there. Ola Kongents, he's going to be a seven footer that should be able to hop out down low as well. But for Wyoming, very bare roster just in terms of not having a lot of depth and I do think that that is going to be a little bit of a kryptonite for them as well. So I do think that Wyoming, in for a little bit of a rough year, I've got them number 10 in regards to my projector finish. At number 9, I do have to go with San Jose State, and I love what Tim Miles has been able to build at this program. The biggest reason why I do have to put San Jose State at number 9, though, is that Omari Moore was the Conference Player of the Year, and he led San Jose State the last two years in literally, like, every category. He did not lead them in rebounds and blocks last season. That's because you had the likes of Abrima Diallo and company in the backcourt. Losing him, that is going to be very big for the team. They also lose Sage Chaubert, that is... Going to be rough. Robert Fiola, he is someone that is able to give you about six and half rebounds per game. He's going to be able to do a nice job at Alvaro Cardenas. I really think he's going to be able to take some strides forward. He's not going to be Amari Moore. Moore last year, 17 and a half points, four and a half boards, four and a half assists, shot about 34% from three point range. He did it all for the scene, but for Cardenas, he's got nice skill set. He's able to shoot it relatively solid from three point range. to ground air. he's someone that's able to give you some versatility at six foot eight. He's able to take a few threes. This is not a bunch as really bringing in a lot via the transfer portal, though. And I do think that this is a squad that they do need to sort of retool a little bit more via the portal. I would have liked to see a few more additions by San Jose State during the offseason. So I do think that they're going to be a little bit pie in the eight ball in relative respect to the rest of the conference. So I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a rough season for Tim Miles. So I this is a program that's looking a whole heck of a lot better in this conference than they were, shall we say, before Mr. Miles was able to get on campus. So, at number nine, in terms of my projector finish, going to be going with a San Jose State team that really relied upon rebounding last season and do, does lose some of those top rebounders. And number eight, I am going to be going with Fresno State. With Fresno State, I do think losing Jamiro Baker is tough because this team plays at one of the slowest styles in all of college basketball and not having a lot of go-to scores. That is going to be a little bit rough. They are going to be banking on Xavier Ducell to really be able to make those threes. And I do think that Ducell is going to be able to do a solid job helping on the backcourt. Spent the last three years at Wyoming. In his three years at Wyoming, it was a career 39.5% three-point shooter, 8.3 points per contest. That's the sort of player that this team needs. And I do think that you don't want to be sleeping on Eduardo Andre 3000 as This man did a very solid job when he was out there on the floor for Fresno State with consistent minutes because there were just some times where they decided to not really give him a lot of minutes. I am not quite sure why, but if you date this back from January 10th on, because they just did not really play him at all out of conference. So if you date it back to that January 10th date on, He's averaging about 11.2 points, two blocks, 1.3 steals, 7.5 rebounds per game. This guy could be a monster down low. I absolutely love his game. They just need to feature him a little bit more, and I'm just not sure if the team is going to be willing to do so. Don Vinyap just has not been able to develop for the team. I like the upside of Isaiah Hill as well, but this is a backcourt that leaves a little bit of something to be desired when it comes to Fresno State as well. What I do think is a little bit befuddling about this school is that they've got their slow style, and they were 348th in the country at opponent's 3-point shooting percentage. You can't both be this low of a school. And also, while the three-point arc the way that they did last year as well, that's a recipe for Doomsday right there. So I do think that it's going to be a little bit rough for Fresno State, though. I do think that with Mr. Andre 3000 down low, this team does have a little bit of upside. I do have Fresno State as a result at number eight in regards to my projector or finish. At number seven, I am going to be going with the Utah State. Utah State is a completely new look team. I and mean, if you want to take a look at past results, you probably should be looking at Montana State a little bit more than you should be looking at Utah State. Because as we know, the coaching change happens during the offseason. Danny Sprinkle, he comes in from Montana State where he was a little bit more of a defense-oriented coach. And I do like that he brings in Darius Brown the second. Darius Brown the second is one of the more efficient point guards that you're going to find in all of college basketball last year. 9.1 points, 4.9 assists on about 1.6 turnovers per contest, all while shooting darn near 40% from three-point range. Josh Uduje coming in from Coastal Carolina. He should be able to give you a little bit in the backcourt, but I really think the guy that you want to be watching out for is Ian Martinez, someone who does have some familiarity out there on the West Coast as he began his career at Utah, a former top 100 recruit, since right around 6'3". This man's able to pop some threes. Last year at Maryland, he shot a little bit over 40% from three. Was able to chip in there nearly five and a half to six points per contest for a Big Ten team that was able to make the NCAA tournament. That's a nice place to start. Max Egbong Polo, I recognize that things did not necessarily go the world's greatest for him over at Wyoming last season, but I do think that there's a little bit of upside there. Bringing in Javon Jackson, I think, is big along great Osabor. He's got great familiarity with, with Danny Sprinkle, as last year he was a part of that Montana State team that was able to make the NCAA tournament. Didn't provide like mondo numbers or anything like that. Right around like 9 points, 4 boards per contest. But I do like what he's able to bring to the table. I do think that he's going to be able to help this Utah State team. So I do have Utah State in my projector finish at number 7. And number 6, I'm going to be willing to go with Nevada. It was very tight between they and Utah State. I just think that with Nevada, they are going to have a little bit more chemistry at the beginning part of the season. And this despite the fact that they are going to be missing some of their key pieces from last season. You lose a guy like a Will Baker. a 7-footer that's able to pop threes. I recognize that sometimes he was a little bit of a liability on the defensive end, but I knew he still had a 7-footer that was able to pop threes. That's Always something that is going to be rough. But what I also like about this team, you do bring back those two guys in Jared Lucas along Keenan Black's And something that Nevada did very well last year is they were able to do a tremendous job of just being able to guard the three-point arc. And they were able to do a nice job with regards to their perimeter defense. They made things very uncomfortable for teams. They sort of threw at you a wide variety of different defenses. And for Nevada, they did the little things well. They were one of the best teams in the country last year at not turning the ball over, and they were a team that ranked in the top five nationally in terms of free throw shooting percentage. They are not going to be coming at you with a bunch of guys that are just going to absolutely light it up. Sans Lucas, who was able to give you about 17 points per contest, but Keenan here, he's a guy that just does whatever is needed. 14 points, four boards, four and a half assists per contest. They do need to replace a lot of the ancillary pieces from last year. Someone like a Trey Pettigrew, I think is going to be a loss for the team, but I like what KJ Himes is able to bring to the table. He was missing throughout much of the year last year. He went down with an injury after about four or so games. He a few seasons ago was able to register right around six and a half points per contest. I think that he could be a little bit of a replacement for what Darion Williams was able to do. Certainly not gonna be quite Darion Williams, so if fans are messed about that, but I do think that he's gonna be able to help out. And then Tylen Pope coming over from Tulane, I think is going to be a nice addition as well. Is he once again gonna be an be-all guy? No, but he's six foot six, he's got a little bit of versatility. Part-time starter last year, that's a career 33% three-point shooter, 6.5 points, 4.5 boards in the American. I do think that with Nevada, they are going to be able to do some nice things. I do think that the question mark is going to be, can they get a little bit more down low without Will Baker? So I do have Nevada in terms of my projector finish at number 6. At number 5, I'm going to be going with UNLV. The talent is there for you LV. You bring in the Boone brothers, and I think that that is going to be absolutely tremendous. I mean, these guys were getting serious minutes while they were playing together over at Oklahoma State a few seasons ago. These are guys that are able to do a very solid job down low. You've got with Keelan Boone, a little bit of three-point shooting as well. So I do like what they are able to bring to the table, but this is also a core that they are going to be losing a lot of those top guys from a season ago as well. Elijah Harkless being out of the fold, that is massive. They are not going to be having Keshawn Gilbert There as well, and I don't think that Luis Rodriguez is going to be returning. I might be mistaken on that, but I believe that he is going to be uh, the full. But what I do like for the team is that they're going to have Isaiah Cottrell. Isaiah Catrella is someone that I do think that they are going to be able to build around. Just was unable to get out there on the floor last season. This guy was a starter at West Virginia two seasons ago. Someone who was a former top one recruit at six foot ten. I think that he is going to be able to do some massive things down low. Jackie Johnson the third is someone that I'm very excited about. Didn't see a ton of minutes last year two seasons ago. When I was over at Duquesne, was able to shoot about 37.5 percent for three point range. I do think that he's going to be able to be the next step 4 and then Justin Webster. This is a guy that I think that they're going to need to build really their backcourt around. Someone that, while he was at Hawaii's his last year there, the 2020-2021 season, was able to shoot about 38% from three, 12.5 points per game, and many people forget he shot 46% from three-point range, In his career, at UNLV has been an 89% free throw shooter. They bring in a lot of nice guys, including Jalen Hill, a guy that saw good minutes, was able to be sort of a part-time starter throughout his career over at Oklahoma. I do think that there's quite a bit of upside for UNLV, and I do think that if they can play that defense like they did in the non-conference portion of the season last year, this is a team with a whole bunch of upside. I was a little bit torn between the Nevada schools. I put UNLV a little bit ahead because I do think that Isaiah Cottrell just offers So much of a ceiling for this UNLV team. I did put them number five as a result in terms of my projector or finish. Now it's really decision time as number four in terms of my projector or finish. I'm going to be having to go with Boise State. With Boise State, I know that there's a lot of people buzzing about this team being a top 25 team. I do think that they're going to need a little bit more depth to be able to maximize on this. Tyson Dagenhart is awesome. I think that he's going to be one of the best players in really mid-major slash just all of college basketball in general. Let's forget mid-major college basketball this guy stands right around 6'7", 6'8", 14 points per contest. It felt like any time this team needed a big bucket, he was able to deliver it for them. I remember that game that they played at the pit in New Mexico. I believe that he was the gentleman that hit the three that sent them to overtime, but That loss of Marcus Shaver, he did a little bit of everything. 13 and a half points, led the team in rebounds, led the team in assists, led the team in steals. That is a big loss for this team. You do bring in Omar Stanley. Stanley put up some nice numbers while he was over at St. John's last season. I do think that he'll come in right away. And he'll be able to give this team a little bit of upside. As last season, four and a half points per contest from three-point range. Shot forty-five and a half percent from three. It was a very small sample size from three-point range. so I'm not going to have that be an end-all, be-all. But I do have a few questions when it comes to Roddy Anderson. Put up great numbers at UC San Diego last year. He was able to give the team right around 13 points per contest. Not necessarily a great three-point shooter. Chuzo Ogbo, he's a nice three-point shooter. Max Rice was able to do a nice job as well, but I still have a little bit of a problem with regards to the depth. I still think that this is gonna be a bunch that is gonna be going six maybe seven deep. I'm very intrigued to see what Cam Martin is going to be able to bring to the table as well because I this is a guy that was at Kansas for the longest of times but I just really didn't get out there on the floor for Kansas as well so there's that aspect of things so if you could get anything whatsoever out of him that would be terrific but that's one of those additions that on paper looks much better than what it actually is so with Boise State I do think that they're going to be able to make the NCAA tournament I do have to put them at number four in terms by a projector or finish because I do think that there's a little bit more upside with Colorado State, who I've got at number three. With Colorado State, you bring back Isaiah Stevens. Isaiah Stevens was just incredible once again last year. 18 points, 6.7 assists per contest, shot 38% from three-point range. The question that we've got with Colorado State is, can they play—I'm not even going to call it good defense— Can they play okay defense? And I think the answer is yes, because they do bring in a few guys that I think are going to be able to hop up with this. Nikwe Clifford, he is going to be coming in from Colorado. Clifford is someone that I really like as just being someone that is able to make winning plays. Is he going to dominate the floor? No, but he was a starter last year at Colorado. Six points, four boards. He, for his career, is about a 34% three-point shooter, right around 6'5", 6'6". I do like his overall upside. And then you bring in someone in Joel Scott, who was able to put up just absolutely massive numbers, north of 20 points per game, one of the best D2 players in all of college basketball. And Colorado State has done just such incredible work in terms of being able to find these D2 guys and being able to turn them into D1 studs. Patrick Cartier, he is one of those guys as well. As he's gonna be back once again after he was able to give the team some nice production at six foot eight, would like to see him be able to rebound just a little bit more as that was a little bit of a kryptonite of his. And that was part of the reason why Colorado State did have a little bit of a rough go of it last season. But I mean at six foot seven, six foot eight, was able to give the team twelve points per contest from three-part range. He shot forty-four point one percent from three, granted, not necessarily on volume, but bringing back someone like a Jalen Lake as well, who's able to make quite a few starts. He's able to take the load off of Isaiah Stevens. That's big. And just frankly put, I think that Isaiah Stevens is perhaps a top five guard in all of college basketball that is going to be able to carry this Colorado State team. As a result, I've got them number three in terms of my projector or finish. And number two, I am going to be willing to go with New Mexico. With New Mexico, you bring in that backcourt duo that I absolutely love from last year. As you bring back Jalen House you bring back Jamal Mashburn Jr. These two guys, between the two of them, they were able to give you a grand total of 36 points per contest. House was able to chip in their 4.7 assists per game, and you just saw when he was off the floor what it meant for this team. It just meant complete and utter doomsday for them, but... On top of that, bringing in Nelly Jr. Joseph from Iona, that is going to be able to take care of a lot of the defensive woes that this New Mexico team had last year. With New Mexico, what really doomed them was those rough defensive games that they had towards back half of the season as during the front half of the season. I'm not going to say that they were playing amazing defense by any stretch of the imagination, but you know what? It was good enough defense to be able to get the job done. And people forget, this was the last undefeated team in college basketball last year as well. Granted, it was not a great year for a team trying to run the table, and go undefeated. But they were the last team to take loss in all of college basketball last season. So they do forever have that moniker to them. I do think that with the Mexico, they are going to be able to beef up a little bit on defense as well. They did lose some of the ancillary pieces from a season ago, but they've done a nice job of being able to bring in some reinforcements to be able to help out with those guys. Obviously, Junior Joseph is a bigger of them, but Mustafa Amzil is certainly someone that you don't want to be sleeping on. Isaac Mushala as well is going to be a nice contributor who's a main scorer at Texas A&M, Corpus Christi. For a bunch, I was able to make the NCAA tournament. At right around six foot four. he's able to give you 8-plus rebounds per game. I absolutely love what he's able to bring to the table. So I do think that New Mexico they have the potential to be a top 25 team, and I've got them number two in terms of my projector or finish and the Ric Flair mentality. In order to be the man, you've got to beat the man, and I don't think that anyone's beaten the man in this conference. San Diego State. My number one team in terms of my projector or finish. I thought that it was laid out very well by Sean Paul in the last segment. They are going to be losing Matt Bradley, but Matt Bradley didn't legitimately play well in the NCAA tournament. It was Darian Trammell and Lamont Butler that really stepped up for this team. Both of these guys are going to be back from a season ago. Plus, they're going to be adding to that Reese Dixon Waters. With Reese Dixon Waters, he was very solid over at USC this last season. It's very rare in which, you know, we get a power five guy slash a power six guy like this. Let's uh, able a register right around... 10 points per contest. He's not the world's greatest three-point shooter. Last year, shot 30% from three. It was a very small sample size. Shot 46% from three two seasons ago. I don't think that that's necessarily representative of him. For his career, he's been shooting about 35%. I think that that's a little bit more of what you could expect, but I also think that Micah Parrish is going to be able to take a nice leap forward this season as well. Was able to improve on defense after coming over from Oakland a season ago. Six-foot-six combo player that a season ago, he shot about 35.5% from three-point range two seasons ago at Oakland was able to contribute 12 points per contest as some good active hands while he was at Oakland average about 1.7 seals per contest was in a little bit more of an ancillary role last season he's going to be able to come to the forefront and I do think that Trammell he is going to be able to do a little bit of a better job in an alpha dog scoring role as you may recall while he was at Seattle in his two seasons there Average about half points per contest from three-point range for his career was about a 34.5% three-point shooter when he was over there at Seattle while being able to give out north of five assists per contest. He's not going to need to do quite that at San Diego State. And for San Diego State, I thought it was really interesting with them last season. They actually tried to play quite a bit more up-tempo out of conference. You could tell that that was not their style. They were able to find their footing towards conference play. That was able to carry them to a national title game. And I think that they looked themselves in the mirror knowing that they got Jaden Ladie back in the fold and they wanted to double down a little bit on size. And I think that they did a very solid job with Jay Powell because they are losing quite a few guys like Nathan Menza that were big pieces down low for this team. But for Powell, he is a pal. He's able to give Campbell last season 12 points, 7 boards, block and a half per contest. We saw Cedric Henderson go from Campbell over to Arizona two seasons ago, he was able to have a nice impact there. I think that he's going to be able to do the same for the San Diego State team. I think that Cam Lawen, who is a freshman that's coming in along with BJ Davis, they're going to be able to make some nice contributions in the backcourt as well. And All in all, I am very bullish on what Mr. Dutcher has been able to do over there at San Diego State. Recognize that they lose a few pieces from that national title team from a season ago, but I actually think that the loss of Bradley is not as bad as a lot of people might indicate, and you bring back three out of your top four scores from a team that made the national title game a season ago. I've got San Diego State number one in my projector or finish in the Mountain West. And that'll wrap things up for the Mountain West Preview Edition of Coast to Coast Seeps, now part of the V's Family Podcast. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, Coast to Coast Seeps, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you, for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, let us name I mean, does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways find an Apple podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you are able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Big thanks to Sean Paul. He does tremendous work over at Mountain West Wire. Does a great job over at the Field of 68 as well. Taking a look at this great game that we all know and love of college basketball. Did a great job taking a look at these teams within the Mountain West today. And I'll be with you guys every single day throughout the entirety of the year on this podcast in the off season, Give you guys these conference previews and the news and notes of college basketball once we get in season. Fix an analysis on every single game every single day. So I appreciate you tuning in today. I'll be back with you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.